Right, over the ditch is back for another week. Um, and this one I am catching up with Matt Markham. Firstly, Matt, hello. Yeah, Paul, how are we? Nice to be joining you. Very well, thank you. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. You've got the daylight out. Um, over here, it's still very dark. This daylight savings is no good for uh, anyone for the first couple of weeks, is it? No, it takes a bit of getting used to, but uh, also a pretty exciting time because it means we're getting closer and closer to some of those big races and the grass track meetings and things like that. So daylight savings time over here is a pretty exciting one, especially in the harness world. Say about the racing and what is coming up, um, and there's a couple of uh, really exciting horses stepping back out. Uh, we'll give a teaser. Auckland, um, the fields have already been done, and it's great to see Boltford Brilliance in there um, making his return, and I would imagine that's ahead of schedule um, because I thought they said he was out for 12 months. That was New Zealand Cup time, so um, he's he's a chance of getting back for the New Zealand Cup this year by the looks. Yeah, yes, it'll be interesting to see how Forty is. We know what Tony's like. He'll have him pretty, pretty well screwed down, but can't beat race fitness. So uh, we're going to get a pretty good line on where he is um, going towards potentially races like the Dominion. He's obviously still on those markets and things like that, but uh, long way still to go to get to there. But uh, yeah, exciting to see him back on track because you know there was that point there where we we did wonder whether we would actually get him back, and he's such a great open class trotter that. He just adds a little bit of spice to those uh, to those group ones if we can get him there, and yeah, hopefully he returns in fine fiddle on Friday uh, this Friday night because you know we need that we need that North Island boost to get some of these trotters down to uh, to Canterbury, hopefully competing in the second week of November. Yeah, and then even longer term because I know they were targeting the Great Southern Star with him in February here in Australia, um, and. Um, as well as that is Muscle Mountain. So there could be this huge build-up um, for New Zealand racing and, and the likes. Matty, I just want to find out a little bit about yourself. I know I follow you on Twitter. Uh, now I follow you on Facebook, but um, I followed you on uh, on Twitter, but a little, I suppose, of the backstory and, and your involvement in harness racing. Yeah, so harness racing's been life. Um, I like to joke that mum went into labour on a race course with me. Um, and potentially she did, I don't know. I've never actually asked her. But uh, yeah, we grew up in uh, a little place called Methan, uh, which is about an hour from Christchurch. I know you've been there, Paul. Uh, got what I would say is one of the best grass track uh, harness tracks in the world. Um, so it's been embedded in the blood since since we were young. Um, of course, I've got a younger sister, Stacey. Do you know Stacey White from Woodlands? Yep. Um, my brother Jeremy's a trainer and a driver as well. So, uh, yeah, we've all sort of followed our way into the industry. I, I've done probably 20-odd years now as a, as a pseudo-racing journalist with the Christchurch Press, Harness Racing New Zealand, and now with a small uh, newspaper in mid-Canterbury doing a bit of sport and racing for them and, and do the odd thing. But it's just been, it's been life. It's a passion, you know. It's... People talk about how you get that harness racing bug and you can't drop it. And it's, uh, yeah, uh, mum and dad have always supported us if we wanted to follow it in. That, they're trainers themselves. Dad's working for uh, Stonewall Stud down here in, in Canterbury. Um, and they're training a small team of their own at the moment. So I've uh, still got a foot in the door, own a few horses and try and have a bit of fun. Got some great mates in the industry and that's what it's all about for me. You know, it's the people. Um, I've made great friends over the years and, been very very lucky to, to you know have them be friends back to me as well you got the uh, boys get paid syndicate uh, jacket on a, as well i suppose it's a jacket or a j- jersey you guys call them different things over there to me uh, um but you've got you, you got the logo there you do you've done a fair bit of stuff with those guys as well 
Yeah, just promotional stuff. Um, obviously, we did the Cup Week uh, Punters Syndicate, which was the nationwide syndicate last year, and uh, we had a bit of fun doing that. You know, we managed to find a horse called Cyrus on the last uh, race on show day last year, and we needed, I think it was over $250,000 for the syndicate with him winning at 12s. They're a, they're a great movement over here because they're engaging a whole heap of people that we've never um, got into racing. You know, they throw these national syndicates on and people throw five bucks in, but then all of a sudden they're throwing 25, 30 bucks in at the races themselves because they're following us in. So uh, it's a great way to get people involved, get people betting, because obviously at the end of the day we need that betting money. So, uh, yeah, full credit to them. They do a great job. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a privilege to be able to, you know, do a little bit of stuff for them because they've got such a wide following here in New Zealand. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll try and catch up with a couple of the mainstays. Well, we'll probably find out more through you, I suppose, as we go along, but a couple of the guys behind the scenes as well leading into Cup Week because, as you say, betting turnover at Campbell's comments is not about betting turnover. I'm sort of more about the stories. I've always said that. But at the end of the day, we need the betting turnover. Otherwise, we race for nothing. Uh, you've also now got Entain coming on board, uh, bringing a whole new dem- different demographic, if you like. So it's pretty exciting times, um, full stop in New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, Entain, I think, are just going to lift the bar remarkably over here. There's talk already, you know, they're setting up um, racing syndicates. You know, we're seeing money pump back into the industry. We've seen stake levels go up in the in the last couple of months thanks to, you know, that initial payment from uh, the sale and things. So I think the next 12 to 18 months are really going to shape the industry for the next decade, at least, you know, and, and further forward. So... Hopefully, we're in a really good position going forward and everything that I'm seeing at the moment suggests that, yeah, we are going to be. So we've just got to keep that racing quality and the content quality and, you know, and it's through, you know, work like you do, you know, that promotes that and gets people involved and gets people invested. So, yeah, exciting times ahead. And there's a couple of little things working behind the scenes for with a few people, uh, like yourself, names that people probably aren't normally associating with Harness Racing New Zealand and and that that uh, going forward. So pretty exciting. It's a bit of a watch this space, if you like, of HRNZ. Yeah, there is. Uh, I know there's a couple of things that, that I'm uh, lucky enough to be potentially involved with going forward and we're going to have a bit of fun with them, but it's just about more content and, you know, more conversations and, and getting that, harness racing word out there as far as far and as wide as we possibly can we might even take this show live from time to time especially leading up to some of these big races uh it'd be a bit of breakfast radio if you like for or tv for for people over there it's an interesting thing any of the aussies watching you guys don't have a dedicated racing radio uh racing radio station yeah that's what i was trying to get out um over there which we we're fortunate enough here in australia we have one in each state you guys in new zealand don't have one at all outside of SEN and what they do, but they are a sports show, I suppose, full stop, aren't they? Yeah, they are. We lost Radio Trackside, obviously, uh, during COVID times, and it hasn't come back. But luckily enough, SENZ come on board. And, yeah, they, they cover a lot of racing, and they get behind the racing industry. They do um, Saturday and Sunday shows. Um, I know that, you know, Greg O'Connor and Michael Guerin do a Sunday morning harness show that's for an hour leading into the Sunday meeting where they where they talk on things. But... We get little snip, uh, snippets here and there, but there's no dedicated yeah radio station, which when you're sitting in the car is a bit of a shame because you'd like to sit there and listen to those kind of things and hear what people have got to say and, and all the like. So uh, hopefully we can get back to something similar to that, but I guess it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, you just want to pump out as much content as you can and maybe the industry's got to take a bit of ownership of that and, and do it themselves. And I think there's the people out there to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and YouTube's a great one. Um, this will Most people watch this on Facebook, but I encourage people to get on YouTube. 
I've been doing some stuff with the Americans uh, racing just recently and uh, the beauty of YouTube when you're working horses at this hour of the morning is you can stick your phone in your pocket, put a headphone in your one ear um, and go around. I don't know if you're allowed to do that in New Zealand. You're sort of not allowed to do it in Australia either, but, um, but you can go around and just listen. You can have your phone shut down so your battery doesn't go flat. Unlike, unfortunately, Facebook, you've got to have the whole thing open whereas so youtube is that platform so plenty of ways people can get the message out there and uh participants can still keep up to date with everything that they want to do as well so uh maddie i reckon the biggest problem you and i have got is we could talk a lot oh yeah <laughs> i've never had a problem talking all my school teachers are not tested that it'll be right we don't i don't care i want to promote the industry and have a bit of fun uh, just quickly before we do get off uh entain and what they've done i, I didn't get a ch chance to talk to rani about it um when it first was announced this new breeders bonus for the two-year-olds um and these two-year-old only races which again for some of the australians may not be aware there was a couple this week two two-year-olds quinella to race which took on the older horses but predominantly in new zealand's there's not a lot of two-year-old only races, but one, they're going to step that up. And then you've got this great breeder's bonus with $8,000 to the winning owner and $4,000 to the breeder. Um, it's huge. And the flow-on effect of this bonus is just massive, isn't it? It is. Um, you know, you, we don't have a lot of straight two-year-old races over here. And that's probably the fault of itself. We've just never been able to really fool fields unless it's big races, you know, big ticket races. Those Sunday um, afternoon at Timaru two-year-old races have never really been able to get full fields. But I think we're going to find with these incentives that you've talked about that people are a bit more willing. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those things that's got a lot of really good salient points to it because, A, it's going to probably help keep some horses in the country for a bit longer, which is what we need. People aren't going to be so hesitant to take their horses out to the races because I think what's happened in the past is the big stables have probably scared a lot of people away because you go to Addington and line up in a two-year-old race and Mark and Nathan have got five in there. Well, you know, it's it's not very visually appealing if you're a, a small-time trainer from somewhere down the road that's got a nice two-year-old. Um, so I think it's, it's only positive stuff, you know. The more money that's going back to breeders and owners, uh, the better because they're more likely to reinvest in the future and, you know, the circle just, or the wheel just keeps on turning and turning and turning. So, uh, yeah, no, full credit. I think it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic scheme. And looking forward to seeing the fruits of its labour over probably, you know, the next six to 12 months. And then we'll really know how much of an impact it's had on the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I must say this year, you see the two-year-old trotters already this year. Um, uh, it's just brilliant. I've got two two-year-old trotters we're going to highlight with some videos in a second. Um, so I think... Personally, from the outside looking in, uh, you know, I've had a good association the last 12 months with New Zealand, I must say. Uh, things are very, very positive. And some of the horses we're going to touch on in a minute, some of the runs that they've had as well. I think things are very positive in New Zealand. And uh, if you are a Kiwi and you're watching this and you're a little bit disillusioned, I, I encourage you to keep your head down and backside up because you can see a change. You said there before about Mark and Nathan, one, they trained their 50th winner. They don't, when I start looking through fields, they don't seem to have four and five. They have one, two, sometimes three, but they don't have four, fives and sixes in fields. Now, um, there's a change. You've got Brent, Brent and Timmy White. They always seem to have one or two in the two-year-old and three-year-old races. You've got the Duns with two, three, four horses in those races as well. So there's a good Stonewall stud, same thing. You've got a good sprinkling of people bringing horses to these races in these fields. Yeah, you have. You know, and I think that's indicative of where all stars are at at the moment. You know, they probably are never going to get back to the numbers that they they had, say, three or four years ago, where they were. Like, oh, one year they might have had seven horses in the size stakes final at Addington. You know, I, I don't think we're going to see that 
uh, going forward. We're going to see more of a spread probably, and it's still going to be dominated by those stables you've mentioned. But, you know, Ukraine and Crispy are always going to have a nice two-year-old or a three-year-old. And, you know, the, the, the team up north, Ray Green, Barry Purd, Barry Purd and Scott Phelan, those sort of people. Um, I think you're right. I don't think those, I think those days of domination are probably, in terms of numbers, are, are now probably non-existent. So it creates opportunity. Um, and once Stone will get up and running here in Canterbury, who knows? I mean, they may pick up that, that baton and carry with it with the sheer amount of horses that they're going to have on the property. Yeah, I hope they have a better run than this week, Pearl Stonewall. I, <laughs> Steve Telfer, if you're watching, I am, I, I am laughing like in jest with you because they did have an absolute shocker. We, we might actually start we might actually start on that with with the re- win of Republican Party because I mean we're here to promote you know and and one the number one race you guys have got coming up of course is the New Zealand Trotting Cup standing start event um, and there's some horses in some very very good form albeit what are we still about six weeks out uh, from it so we're still a little way away but all the big guns are starting to come back it was a ripping race I'm actually gonna gonna play it uh, right now over the top I've just got the start the start of the race. Um, every horse except for, I forgot the name of that horse actually, uh, Beach Ball, um, galloped. But every other horse went away pretty well. Artie by the seaside got it wrong a little bit for Timmy White. But I'm just playing it here going into the first turn. And Bark, Bark caused a little bit of carnage going into this first turn. I noticed they said they're going to put spreaders on him. To me, it looks like he's stepped the infield, but uh, he caused some carnage, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Scattered a few. I know BD Joe copped a pretty bad yep. backwash from uh, from that merely. And from from all I've gathered and all I've learned over the last couple of years, it takes a fair bit to uh, to throw BD Joe out of his gate. And he copped him and probably cost him a, a really full position and effectively took him out of the race. Um, it's a shame because, as you say, it was actually a really good standing start prior to that. And, you know, it just it fanned the field and scattered them out and probably changed the complexity of a wee bit. But uh, it certainly worked out nicely for the winner. That's that's for sure. It, it did indeed. He's, he's ended up posing up behind this behind the leader. Timmy Williams uh, went around with Artie by the Sea, who's already qualified. I'm right, aren't I? I think he and Mossdale Ben are guaranteed because they're in those win and you're in races. Uh, Artie's Express isn't. She's actually still, uh, she's just inside the top 15. Okay. So she's ranked 15. She's not an automatic qualifier. Top three out of that race on Friday night, uh, automatic qualifiers. So McAndrew Aviator comes right in, which will actually push Artie's Express out. Um, I know that Team Telfer were looking at using last Friday night as the race to decide whether to press on with Artie's Express towards the Cup or turn their attention towards, you know, races like the Junior Free For All and the Mears race on Cup Week. So I haven't heard or read anything, um, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the wash um, from that because she was okay without being as good as what I thought she'd be. No, absolutely. I'll just skip this forward to about the 600 metre mark when everything uh, starts to hot up. Obviously, Akuda was good. Um, they would have to have been wrapped with him first up, I would have thought. Self-assured was okay. Um, there were some really nice races, but Chris and Cran, Chrissy and Cran Dalgetty, they'd be absolutely pinched themselves away. They got their team going right at the minute. We're going to highlight another horse, but uh, I, I, they'd be super excited about the way Republican Party savaged the line. Yeah, he uh, he's always been a nice horse. There's not much of him. No. He's pretty pretty small. But I remember Blair Orange telling me one day, just give you the feel of a nice horse, like a really, really nice horse. And what I like is his trans- transition from age group racing, which is predominantly mobiles, and stepped into open class for standing starts. And he's handled them like a little pro. Um, you know, he, he led trailed in the Hannon. And, you know, he's led trailed again. Same, same horse, you know. Um 
And he's got real high speed, which I think will suit him if they can put him to sleep in a New Zealand Cup and say bury him three fence, you know, one out, three back or something like that. He's, he's got the speed that he can actually rush at them late. And I know they were wrapped with him, but I think they were just as wrapped with the runner Krug and behind. He was super. And I know he kept caught up with Grant and uh, Carter on, on Saturday at the Gallops at Rickerton, and, and they were absolutely buzzing around about the runner, both of them. So uh, exciting times for that stable going forward. No, it, it's a, it was an interesting race. I'm just going to try and grab that last 100, uh, 100 metres if I can. Uh, might have to do this. Yeah, I'll bring it forward. Don't worry about that. I'll just grab it forward a little bit because there's a few runs here. Mossdale, Ben. Um, Greg and Nina would be pinched from, he's already in, he can't not get in and uh, the way he found the line will be at five back defence, you just got to go back and watch uh, Ben sort of lift the rein at one stage and then he just had to sit there and hang on, even Buck for, for the Duns um, was terrific after that, Mr Mina um, and as you said there, McKay, Andrew and it's a shocking name, McAndrew Aviator <laughs> um, they, you know, there's a lot of really good runs and when you think we're still six weeks out, a lot of horses still getting very, very fit. Yeah, Moscow being, uh, he would have to be the most improved horse mm. in New Zealand this season. I, he came into the mix at the start of the campaign and he won a Kurao Cup, which is held at Omaru, um, late August. And I thought, yep, no, you've come back as a real nice horse. And you sort of start trying to place horses and see where they're going to go. And I'm going really nice junior free-for-all horse. And then he's gone to Addington and he's won an automatic qualifier. And then he's gone super races since through. He, he's not a, not the worst knockout chance for a top four finish in the cup, the way he's going, if they maintain that. You know, his sectionals are just mind-blowing. Um, and they've got him absolutely flying. And we know Greg and, he, Greg and Nina are great uh, conditioners of horses. They're great for getting a horse to the big occasion. So it's going to be exciting to see how he goes going forward because he's in a really, really good space at the moment. He is. And, uh, yeah, and they've got a little way to keep him going that well. But I agree with you. Like, uh, yeah, I think uh, he, he's, he's, not the, he's not the novelty you win and you're in a, a race series and he's going to be 150 to 1. There's no way known he'll start those odds. He'll, uh, he'll be thereabouts. And on that run then, to me, he showed a horse that's going to finish off uh, very, very well. We'll stick with um, the Delgettis. I'd be interested if they gave you any feedback on Coney Island Lou um, after his impressive win. Two on the bounce now. There's a horse going forward, isn't he? A three-year-old? Yeah, he is, and that's that's pretty much exactly what uh, both both Grant and Carter told me was you know he's a horse that has just improved. Um, he's come back from from a good spell. He he looks stronger, and there's still a bit of improvement in him yet. But you know he was so impressive first up, winning two starts back, and and then put himself in the right position and and got the job done again last Friday night. And you know he beat. Some of the best three-year-olds in the country. I know Merlin's not there and, and the like, but we had Don't Stop Dreaming, Ultra Meteor, uh, Charlie Bound, Triple G. So he's been a very, very good horse, uh, field of horses and is still on the way up too, which I think is probably the most encouraging sign. Don't Stop Dreaming was fantastic. He, he was always going to need that run. Um, he will improve leaps and bounds on that. But they've got a serious contender for some of these big three-year-old races coming up, uh, the Delgettys and Coney Island Lou. I think he's, he's matured. Um, from from his last campaign and and looks a really really serious racehorse for me now. I I actually backed him on Friday night. I thought you know he's going to get himself into a good position and he's a big chance. And I think we got eight dollars. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do over the next couple of months for sure. The great conditioners. It's funny we talk about Republican Party being able to put himself into the great positions from standing. So Coney Island Lou's been able to do the same thing. Posse up in the right spots and then get the job done. And Carter was. Ha- 
awfully kind to him the last hundred meters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they all were. Every every one of those drivers, they have they got their eyes for the future. There's some really nice runs. Just just on Triple G, what's your thoughts on, on him? He is he taking a while to come back? Yeah, I think he's been good without being being brilliant, and I think he will just continue to improve. And you're probably asking your question, the, the question there. You know, you don't win Group One races in September, October. You win them in November and December at race at Cup Week and Grand Prix Day and those sort of things. So everything's done with the end goal in mind. So they're not going to be completely screwed down, but it's a case of building them towards that. So I, I thought he was good again on Friday night. I thought he looked like a horse that would still take a bit of improvement out of it. And, you know, the way John drives horses and, and the things like that, he's always going to be a chance because he's always going to be on or near the speed or in, in the right position to, to make a serious claim. Do I take it um, as an Australian, like we quite often watch drivers and which horses they select, the fact that John is sticking with him, um, the two stable mates were flashing home very hard, he could have taken, the, I think he had the option of four drives in the race. Do we take that, that John's still very happy with the horse and the way he's progressing? Yeah, uh, in most cases, there is the odd one where I see him jump on one and go, okay, you want to try and get a feel or sort something out with that horse, but you know, they... They're lucky in the fact that I've got a breed of drivers that they can call on that, you know, can step into the void. Timmy Winnie Stonewall doesn't have one in. Gavin Smith, Corbs, Corbin Newman's there, obviously, as well, the stable junior. Um, so I think I always take a lead from what John chooses. That's always a pretty good sign on, on where he thinks the chances are at. Yep, absolutely. Um, just on, I was just looking at the results as you were going through there. Of course, they won the um, the consolation, if you like, to that uh, main race as well with Smithy's Terror. They've got a great team at the minute. Uh, there's no <laughs> embarrassment of riches, that's for sure. They posted the list of horses that they had in at Eddington on Friday night during the week last week, and it was something like 27, I want to say. <laughs> so, oh, that's just off the top of my head. I remember seeing it posted, and... Uh, yeah, they've got a massive team and, and you know, they, they're they not just Addington as well, you know, yeah. they had a big team at Timaru and then they'll have a big team on the grass at Methin this Sunday. Smithy's Terror, of course, will be trying to go back to back in the Methin Cup, he won it last year, so uh, he's in the right space, which is good. So, uh, yeah, looking looking forward to uh, seeing what the Dunn team can do because we know they love grass track racing, they win a lot of races on the grass. Who's delighting Charlie Brown with those two horses of theirs that were getting home um, terrific. Uh, they're both all finishing off really, really well. So, no, I think they've got a, a good team. Going to go to the Trotters. Um, ne- uh, yeah, we will. Because the next three races I wanted to highlight were, were trot races. Um, actually, we might do a left-of-field one, just to throw you under the bus a little bit, with Nazareth. While we're on the Duns um, and we talk about about the this, this strength of their team, yeah, this is a horse, he won the Derby last year. He doesn't get spoken about all that highly. I love him because here's this horse that wants to find the line. There's no way known he's going to win here. <laughs> um, his last 50 metres is just massive. He knows where the winning post is. He did it in the derby. He done it here again. He's a horse with a future, I think. Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, this is a, this is a bit of a transitional season for him. He is nominated for the Dominion Handicap. I think uh, Friday night's when he was 15th, I think. So he was in the field before Friday night's win. So I would expect that he might jump forward maybe one or two places off the back of that on the rankings list. Um, great follower of speed, and the harder they go, and the quieter run he has, the quicker he's going to come home. The horse that he ran past, Harold Smith, a very, very good horse. Um, he he looked like he was going to jog the victory, Harold Smith, but Nazareth just come a little bit too quick for him. So the wheel and the, yeah, they just keep producing these trotters, the Duns, that, you know, go on and do a really, really good job. And 
it just continues. You know, we've gone from Sunday Sun and they've got, you know, Nazareth and Sunny Sister and Artie by the Hill who's been fantastic so far through the campaign. So no surprise, Johnny is very, very good with the driver. Yep. Very good. Um, probably underrated in that sense a little bit. So doesn't surprise me, but yeah, no, they've got another nice one on the hands. Absolutely. Tommy Bagri, he did run second there, but he's got a nice team of small trotters too, doing a good job, I must say. So, um, he, uh, yeah, got a great mop of hair too, Tommy. So, uh, <laughs> as a ball man, I get I always quite get impressed. I think one of the pin-up horses um, going forward, we spent, spoke there before about Bolt for Brilliance. Um, you said about then about Sunday's son. You lose a horse like him out of your fast-class ranks and you think, oh, that might be a little bit of a drop away. The fast-class trotting ranks in New Zealand are just enormous at the minute. But this bloke, I think, anyway, Muscle Mountain, uh, just trying to find his video, has to be the pin-up horse for mine, for the, for the trotters going forward this year? Oh, he is, you know. He, he was so often the bridesmaid to, to Sunday Sun. I mean, you'll remember that Dominion Handicap battle last year that was just one of the greatest races I think I've ever seen in New Zealand. But he's come back well, you know. You know I thought the first up run was good. You could tell he blew out of condition late. And then Ben's driven him quiet last week and, and showed us that high speed that we hadn't seen for a while coming off the back of one and he looked really, really good doing it too. So it's going to take something pretty special um, for him to be beaten or he's got to beat himself, which we know he can do from time to time, but he seems a lot happier on the unruly from the standing start. So that's a good sign going forward to the Dominion and, you know, he's he's almost unbackable odds to win a Dominion handicap and he probably deserves to be in that space too. I'm very fortunate in my job. I get to travel and see a lot of races. Uh, leap to fame at Tamworth of all places in a Breeders' Challenge heat um, when he went 154 around a dog track. And then uh, that Dominion handicap, I don't think I've seen a better race. And then also afterwards, the, the conduct of people. Um, I said there that Natalie ran up and gave Ben a big cuddle afterwards and said, well done, because it was a brilliant drive to run second. Uh, it is That was definitely one of the highlight races of the season. The thing about Muscle Mountain, he's a big horse. He looks overgrown. He's got tactical high speed. He can work to the front. He can settle outside of them. He's sort of got everything. He's not one-dimensional that he has to be in front and bowling along and, and, and run the others off their legs, if you like. He can be that horse that just... He can do anything by the looks of him if he behaves. Yeah. I think he, by necessity, he's been driven positive quite a lot because, you know, he's he's a dollar ten or he's a dollar fifteen. So you don't want to see him flashing home for second. Whereas, you know, in some such cases, that would probably have been the best thing for the horse. But I think, yeah, the fact that he's got such high gate speed to put him on the top end in a lot of races. And, you know, that, that, that gate speed coupled with his high cruising speed is going to make him a really potent horse when he comes over your side of the Tasman for, for races like the Great Southern Star and Co. But I don't know that as, as Australia, the last stop, could you press on with them? I'd, I'd, Europe, America, you know, I look at that international drop the other day where, you know, Elder Baron Zeus lined up. Well, I, I would suggest, you know, that Muscle Mountain's better and that's just on his record. So maybe it's maybe it's an option in the future Ian Dobson who owns him um, loves promoting the game he took Christian Cullen pretty much everywhere that he could when he owned him so there's no reason why we might not see him going Australia and further afield in the, in the next you know 12 to 18 months For, to settle an argument and I'm not like I possibly think he's a better horse as well he's the equal of Elder Baron Zeus who ran fifth in the you know the international in Yonkers um, just believe 
what he was able to do over there. It, it, hopefully they are thinking about it and hopefully some more people are as well because I think it's super exciting and we'll see some of the other trotters over here. I know there's talks of Queen Alita potentially, yep. you know, another Kiwi horse as well. That the, the elite lop is well and truly on her her radar as well. So, I, I you know, hopefully they are thinking about it because... Um, what was it? Is it the Row Cup that was uh, Auckland Cup time? If anyone goes back and watches Muscles yep. Mountains run in that, and yeah, he jumped offside going the wrong way, but uh, that was a phenomenal fourth. It's as good a fourth as you'll see uh, anywhere. So, yeah, I think he is a very good horse. A couple of beaten brigades. Majestic Man just continues to do the job done. Um, he's an eight-year-old. I was just trying to look then how old he actually was. So he's an eight-year-old. Uh, he was very, very good. Artie by the Hill, um, again, found the line. Yeah, terrific. He he seems he seems a little bit of a blowout chance for any of those big races with the right run. Artie by the hill. Yeah, he does. Um, I think last season I sort of identified him as a horse that was going through one of those seasons where they come into the open class ranks and they just need you know twelve months to adjust to it. And that first up win where he beat Muscle Mountain sort of suggested that he had he'd grown up. He, it was a boy turning into a man kind of thing. And I think you know the Duns will have him absolutely flying by the time we get to the big races, and he will be as good man as put him on the speed and put him in good position. So yeah, you're right, majestic man. I would have thought he was twelve. Feels like he's been around for my entire life on that horse because he raced as a two-year-old and he's raced the whole way through, you know, and he's had such a, a busy career. He's been campaigns in Aussie and been up and down the country. Omaru's, you know, what's that, three hours from Addington. So, God, he's probably spent 300 hours just getting to races at Addington at least and then back again. So, uh, yeah, he's you always know what you're going to get with him. He's going to put himself in a good position and he's going to run on because he's such a genuine horse. So the big disappointment out of that race, I thought, was Love in the Port, the Row Cup winner. Yeah. Uh, had to sit part, which I don't know if it's his go. I think he might be better coming off the back of one because we know he's quite quick. I I think the Dominion Handicap's going to be a really good race for him. He's the one horse that I think can get closest to Marshall Mountain. Yeah, because he was awesome uh, in the Rory Cup, um, but uh, yeah, he. Uh, I was wondering that. That was one of me. One of my questions. The other question I have got while we're on the Williamson team, just your thoughts. I mean, you don't know. Neither of us know. But both Majestic Man and Love in the Port entered for the Inter Dominion. Um, when you've got a horse like Muscle Mountain, and you know, looks like Bolt for Brands, so those horses are going to come back. Do you think they might go to the Inter Dominion with Majestic Man? They've never been afraid to, you know, throw caution to the wind and throw throw him on a plane and go over in the past. So if the horse is fit and healthy, we know that he's often gone some of his best races over over in Australia. So I wouldn't say it's completely out of the realms of possibility, but you've probably got to get through, you know, the next couple of months and then and then sit down and re- reassess it. It's, it's possible, but I guess it all depends on what happens over the next two months. I was wondering whether they might switch to an Inter-Dominion-style campaign with him, maybe step away when they can from those better, harder races and that going forward. So, Because for mine, he looks a horse, as you said, loves a tough race and can do it anyway, which he's going to have to do around Albion Park because it is a tricky track. So, um, yeah, uh, we're in trouble because we could, we definitely can talk for a long time. People got to make more than one cup of coffee. I made myself a cup of coffee and went there, no worries at all. I don't care because there is no timeline on Campbell's comments, and this is what we want to do, and we're going to try and grow this going forward, Matty, so don't worry at all. We'll have uh, good, robust discussions about a few things. Two-year-old trotter, I want to highlight. Princess Sadie, don't worry about the way that I sent you the notes and, and, and how I how I uh, um, spelt it, but, but this is another of the Williamsons, Matty Williamson. Um, two starts, two wins, this filly by Father Patrick, doing an awesome job. Just looks a real little try, a real little winner. 
Yeah, she's the muscle sass that Father Patrick will talk about in a Sorry. little bit, I think. Yeah. Yep. She, um, the word had been out for her uh, that she, she was a reasonably talented little trotter. Um, she's actually, her damn shell seeker is a half sister to Group 1 winner Shimon, who you'll remember, Kevin Townley, Dexter Dunn. Uh, I think he won 19 races. So there's a bit of breeding there. It goes back to a really good filly, trotting filly called Solar Fire, who won a, won a few Group 1s, oh, or probably before Adam was a Boy Scout. But um, the word had been out about this trotter and Maddie for a while, and you could tell that Maddie had a bit of an opinion because he usually looked after his, his debutantes, but he was up and he was off the fence and he was parked and he was serving it up to Mark Burden and Mark sort of looked at Maddie and Maddie didn't look across at him at all and you sort of thought, oh, Maddie might have him here and, you know, very, very nice horse. Um, Going to go on and do a really good job and you, you mentioned it before, we've got a great crop of two-year-old trotters over here at the moment. It's really exciting. It, it is indeed. Look to the stars was good. There was a couple of nice um, runs right feel it, through it. Um, Poor old Regan Todd, um, if we'd have been doing this two weeks ago, we'd have been singing his praises, but um, the highs and lows of training trotters, isn't it? Yeah, it comes and uh, ebbs and flows, and you never quite know what you're going to get, especially when there are two-year-olds and there's not a lot of experience on the board. But he seems to have a nice bunch of two-year-old trotters as well. Reggie, um, that horse a couple of weeks ago, the tactical landing horse, but um, unfortunately this week that uh, that didn't come to fruition. But I think it's exciting, and I reckon you know I want people to start watching them and keeping an eye on them. What we will stay, we'll stay with the two-year-old trotters because actually you're right. I got the the ones, I got them back to to front. I've just got to find where she is. Paramount Kiwi was also that I was thinking about for Maddie White. It's had two starts now for two wins. Just got there at its first start. This was brilliant. This was a brilliant oh. win. It was just, and it, it made everyone sit up and say, wow, this horse could be the real deal. Yeah, and people see it coming down to Christchurch for some of those big races uh, later on. Like, you don't win by 12 lengths unless you're a very, very good horse. And it's great to see Maddie with a good horse because Maddie's one of the good guys of the harness racing industry over here. You know, you throw that term around pretty loosely sometimes, but he is, he's a really genuine bloke and a bit like, Maddie Williamson's trotter. Um, this one's got some breeding too. I mean, it's it's after to Paramount Gigi and Paramount King, who you know multiple Group One winners. I think it's actually the last old letter of the year, Paramount Star. So she was a fantastic performer for you know uh, John and Josh Dickey, and it's nice to see that family line continue. And and the last one looks pretty special too. So yeah, there's there's a lot of head for that one. The sectionals, the last half, fifty nine five and twenty nine four, they're very very good. When you put that on top of the mile rate of one fifty nine six, like, and I know technically they're they're three year olds, they are still two year old trotters, but she done it effortlessly. Like, I mean, yeah, that that that's the scary part about about that filly. She def, definitely could have gone easily a second quicker. I would have thought um, going forward. So she's super exciting. Uh, Dreams, Pat, Florence, the machine, both very nice horses. They did a good job. Probably trotted their two 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 one two twos, which would win any other year. But um, yeah, very nice horse to keep an eye on. That is Paramount Queen, and uh, exciting to hear that he is going to travel to Christchurch because uh, yeah, I got to meet Maddie for the first time um, at Grins. Um, you, and yeah, just as a small team of horses, but very passionate young men, um, and really keen for the industry to survive and go forward as well. So uh, yeah, and a good driver, underrated driver actually. Probably one of the most underrated drivers in the country, I think. Matty White um, doesn't get a whole heap of opportunities like some of the other guys, but when he does, he, he generally makes the most of them. No, nah, absolutely. Zach Butcher had a huge night for four wins um i was going to grab an interview with him but i thought i might leave it we might grab him um in a week or two we'll be able to see anyway 
known as a driver, always known uh, you know, as a driver and, a, and probably a larrikin um, as well. Tell you what, you can train a horse because this horse, Mantra Blue, this is going to make a lot of people sit up and have a look. She is a serious horse. You've got to watch, if you only watch, if I only showed you the last um, lap of this horse, it doesn't do her justice. I've actually got them coming out of the gate. It looked like everyone's going to work well, Maddie. It looked like he was going to posse up outside the leader. He's just going to slowly work forward and probably dictate the race, if you like. Um, it just goes pear-shaped in about oh, about three or four strides here off the video. Yeah, um, you're right. If you'd only watched the second half of that race, you would have thought, oh, yeah, nice. The lead's done a good job. But you take all of that into account and what uh, what she's been through in the, in the first bit of the race, well, uh, she's a pretty special filly, I think. Um yeah, unfortunately, there's a very, very special filly in the crop, so uh, <laughs> she's going to have to be very, very good if she wants to beat her. And, of course, we're talking Millwood Nike, who returns on Friday night to Addington. Um, so, you know, that he's a very, very good horseman, but he's got the last name Butcher, so you'd expect that. It just goes with the surname, really. Um, you've got that name, you're going to be a good horse, horse person. I was having a look at his stats. He's had 120 starters for the races that. 26 winners and 37 places. So he's better than one and two, one and three uh, running in the money. So it's, that's pretty good. One and two, sorry. Bad math. God, words are my thing, not math. Um, yeah, and he's got, this filly's exceptional, I think. Um, and she's probably the closest thing I've seen to being able to test Millwood Nike without really putting the effort on her. So be interested to see the path she takes now going forward and, and where they meet those two fillies because uh, they've both got a bit of X factor about them. Yeah, this filly, and, and you're perfect on your timing. You say about Wordsmith, she's just pulled out now. I've let the video continue um, to play. Uh, she pulls out, she gets shoved four deep, um, puts them away in a few strides. Anyone that hasn't been to Cambridge, beautiful track. The home turn, horses can get lost. They can run wide on it because it is a little bit flatter. Uh, what she did around that turn, they don't do very often at high speed. No, it's a very hard track to make ground on. And, you know, we, we used to talk about that a lot leading into the Harness Jewels and things like that when they were there. And, you know, any horse that's storming home and winning wide at Cambridge has got a little bit more to them than just, just your average horse going around on any given night. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, very, very exciting filly. Uh, what did she go? 54.8. 57, 6, and 28, 4. You'd, you know, I don't know. You guys have the individual clockers on the horses. We have them over here. Hopefully you guys have them because her sectionals, I think, would be terrific. The the worst one, Maddie, is doesn't do her justice. Because she's galloped after after the mile, if you like, and lost that ground and then caught it up, her times are going to be the same as all the other horses. It, it would be awesome just to see that individual burst of speed that she showed to get back onto the field and, um, yeah, just what she was able to do. But, uh, yeah, she was she was awesome. And I think um, definitely one of the main highlights for, for, the, for the, the week just gone. Um, was there anything else out of it? We had grass track racing um, and the likes. Was there anything else you wanted to highlight? Uh, no. The only probably other thing worth mentioning was Sarah O'Reilly notching up 250 of well, she's our leading junior driver over here um, and about to shoot for a third national junior drivers championship this week. Um, you know, Sarah just continues to win races. I think she's up to 56 now for the season and actually places her in the top three or four drivers in the country, not just juniors, uh, seniors as well. So she's up there mixing it with, you know, Johnny Dunn, Blair Orange, Tim Williams and co. So uh, she's doing a good job and yeah, um, she's got a very bright future as well.
Yep, young junior drivers, young lady junior drivers in New Zealand. You've got an embarrassment of riches when you look at it. You got, uh, I interviewed uh, Alicia Harrison last weekend. Um, you know, uh, Crystal Hackett probably should have been interviewed, and, and Monica Ranger. I think they had there was five, ten races. The girls won five of those. They're all juniors. So, you know, you've got Nikki Chilcott there, still the most winningest female. Oh, no, she's not now, actually. I'll get in the trouble from that from Sam. But, but that's a problem. So now, we're, you know, we're rattling off ladies willy-nilly. And um, Sarah's just, an, you know, outstanding. And again, a lady, a young girl that I, she's not keen on being interviewed. Um, but when I went across there, I mean, she, she, was, she, she sort of understands the industry, knows that we have to start doing it and getting that message out there. Yeah, she does. She's um, that's something she's probably had to, to learn more than anything else in the game is how to talk when there's a camera or a microphone shoved in front of you. Because I, I'm sort of being in Mid Canterbury, watched her grow up, and she was a very, very quiet and shy girl for, for most of her early life and sort of early days in driving. She was exactly the same, but she's got a bit of what we call over here the O'Reilly character. Now there's a massive family of um, obviously harness racing trainers and drivers in the O'Reilly's and they've all got a bit of cheek about them and Sarah's definitely got it as well because she'll pretty quickly give you a spray or a bit of cheek if you say something to us. So uh, yeah, she's coming out of her shell all right. I know, I know the best way to stop that though. You leave the camera on and she won't give you any cheek back, but she does, she's worked out when I stop recording and uh, yeah, you can get it back just as quickly. Don't worry about that. So yeah. there's no hassles there. Uh, Mantra uh, Blue, we're talking about her. You're saying there about the three-year-olds, of course, uh, at Addington this uh, Friday night, I believe. Yes. Yep, Friday night. Millwood Nike return. Oh, Thursday, sorry. Th- Thursday. Thursday. Fields aren't done. These are just the nominations, but Millwood Nike returns. For million Australians, you guys go from the bottom up. It's very different for, for us. When you're at the bottom, you're going to miss out. When you're at the bottom in New Zealand, you're going to get a run, so it's a bit different um, how it, it, it actually worked. But, of course, you got Millwood Nike, and we talked there before about Mantra Blue. Treacherous Gal, Sweet Diamond, Sweet Cocoa. Forever me. These are beautiful fillies. Like this is what I'm saying about the embarrassment of riches. All of a sudden in New Zealand harness racing, Millwood Nike, the pinup girl, rightfully so. What you got? Five hundred and or sixty thousand dollars in stakes. I mean, she's unbeaten at nineteen starts. Am I right? Nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that one up. I did. That was out of pull out of the head. But like no, 14. 14. 14, is it? Sorry. So 19, yeah. 19 might be a record then, I think. If she passes 18 or something, I think I saw Mickey Guren wrote something one day, and, and she, there's no reason to say she wouldn't do it. But Treacherous Gale, Sweet Diamond, you've got Mantra Blue. The three-year-old fillies, the depth in New Zealand at the minute um, is scary and great for the industry. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's some real depth there. You know, we haven't even talked about a winner on Friday night at Addington who lined up in a mare's race, uh, Artie by the Seaside who is another very, very good three-year-old filly. You know, she's beating older horses at the moment and will drop back into her own age group at some point. So there's a lot of depth there. Um, and you say depth because I think Millwood Nike is potentially one of the best female paces we've seen on this side of the Tasman. She's just got something about her. Yep. She looked like a, a four-year-old mare when she was a two-year-old filly and she raced like that as well. And... Yeah, it's hard to see her getting beaten if she comes back. She's had a trial at Eddington and she looked super winning it too. She was untested. So they're always vulnerable first up, but she's got a bit of quality about her that probably a few others haven't. So I think she'll uh, she'll step out on a winning note on Thursday night. Well, those unique horses, I've been lucky enough. I'd, I saw her uh, Cup Week actually last year and I was like, looked at her and I was sort of like, oh yeah. Plain Bay, not a blick, a bit of white on her, not not massive in condition, not she's not poor either. Don't get me wrong, but she's just just a horse. You think you know to look at her, and then you just get spine, you know, tingles when you watch her her run, and then to be at Cambridge that night when she she won so effortlessly 
uh, on that occasion wasn't one. I just looked at it. I thought there is something very, very unique about this filly. Something I don't know. Something different, if that's the right way to put it. Yeah, and we all talked about that. You know, when she was going through a two-year-old campaign and winning them in a row, and there was a lot of conversation about you know she walks out onto a track and it's like she grows a hand and a half and, mm. you know, she becomes all bulky and, and she did. She genuinely looked like a four-year-old mare as a two-year-old filly, which is pretty rare. You don't see that very often, but she's got such a great way of going. She covers the ground so well and there's push-button speed there as well as that staying power, so she's got that all-round game. So exciting to have her back on track this week. Nah, it is indeed. There is a couple other races. I'll just throw this one up. The Dancing in the Dark M, Southern Trotting Oaks, um, goes down to, I'm going to say... Uh, Invercargill, is that where they are racing? Uh, down south anyway, I do know that one. Uh, yeah, it's northern south one, so it'll be down that way, yeah. Yep, uh, with yeah, Invercargill. Great field of uh, three-year-old trotting fillies going around. That race is at 5.58, sorry, your time, which is um, uh, just before four o'clock here Australian time. But uh, good field, see you isolate, returning, walking on sunshine, crackling, another nice horse, Aurora Kenny. Uh, Denikin. It's quite funny, actually. I used to have a mare in Australia called uh, Denikin, <laughs> spelled exactly the same way it was, too. But this is a trotter who's quite capable, too, for Alex Milne. It's good field. Yeah, it is. Uh, walking on Sunshine, obviously, um, has, has all the form on the board. Um, of course, she was beaten last start by Isolate, who, on what it did fresh up, and unsurprising given it's a Phil Williamson trotter, would have been ready, but could be in for a really, really good season. She was outstanding. Um, but yeah, could we race that for a, for a uh, Friday afternoon at Invercargill? And of course, with the Junior Driver Champs, which he's down there as well. Yep, absolutely. So it's a, that is a meeting. And then you go Friday night. So this is, you know, like I say, sometimes we take you take for granted what you've got. But at Auckland, uh, we spoke there before about Bolt for Brilliance um, stepping out. But I'm just trying to find the race as I go through it. But you've got Copy That and Old Town Road, Hooray Henry, Nicholas Cage, we talked about Matty White, Nicholas Cage, um, who was well supported first up, unfortunately got it wrong um, as well. Another high class horse. You know, people say that there's not the depth in the races. All of a sudden, got eight horses. Copy that's proven to be beatable this time in, whether that's just fitness and form. But, um, you know, some really, really good race and real positivity, positivity for harness racing, full stop. Yeah, there is. I mean, that we race the Home CG, they call it, named yep. after one of our great war horses. Um, it's got a lot of aspects to it, that race. You know, Fernley Cash was so good the other night when it beat uh, Copy That and Co. I just jogged through the line, and, you know, Alicia is getting on with that horse really well. Whispering Artist was one of the best mares in the country at one point there. She was flying, so she's fresh up. But, yeah, you think you go through and you've got Bolt for Brilliance and all cashed up and stuff as well. So, uh Good racing across the board, because then, of course, we go group racing on the grass at Methan on, on Sunday as well. So, uh, busy but exciting weekend. Group racing at Methan? Yeah, the Methan Cup's a group three, $40,000 grass track feature. Um, and, you know, it's it's part of the key lead-up towards the New Zealand Trotting Cup. It counts as part of the rankings. So, probably not the field we thought we were going to get. But you have also got, you know, the likes of Anything Goes and, and Co. in there. Uh, Franco Indy, who's been very good in two starts back, he's there. So uh, looking forward to what will be another great instalment, I'm sure, of the 3,000-metre grass track feature on Sunday. Just for the Aussies, this is only noms again. Um, we've got three runners underneath outside race conditions. They will get a run in that field. It doesn't mean they don't get a run, but it's more or less that if a horse has got the right qualifications, they get a start before those horses. Mwanga for Regan Todd, 
it is a must-watch after last last week. Uh, it was one very, very unlucky horse. Um, I said before about Reggie's team and how it is going. Uh, yeah, I, it was a it was a back me next week all over. I don't know how it handles the grass, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, it was a one that I said to to watch. Actually, one that's maiden at Methven. Um, <laughs> potentially this meeting last year. I, I could be I could be wrong there, but uh, yeah, it's it's not a high quality field. Like I don't think we're going to see a New Zealand Cup winner out of it, like we we have on the odd occasion. Flashing Reds first New Zealand Cup. He won the Methven Cup as his first lead up race. There you go. That was the last Methven Cup winner, I think. But you know, it's been run by Spankham. It's been won by Self Assured. It's been you know, it's 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 a key part of that lead up. Um, All American lover flies on the grass. She's won at Methven before. Homebush Lad for the Hope. There's one for the Aussie punters that might be sitting there on Sunday watching Methven. He's trialled unreal at Methven in the past, and he loves a grass track. He was desperately unlucky in the race last year. You'll get about 15 bucks for him, I reckon. He's not the worst each way bet in the race. Wow, that's huge. Homebush, Homebush Lad, um, Greg and Nina, they've got a nice team of horses too, isn't it? We, we speak before about all these other teams and uh, always noted as trotting stables, but uh, there's two paces, high-class paces, that we're given a good rap for. So, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. Uh, it is exciting to see um, one change. That's the horse that had two years off. Is that the horse that had a couple of years off? This Yeah, so originally it was with, uh, I think it was Mark and, and Natalie at that point, and now trained by Amber Hoffman down, or, down in Otago on the beach. Um, he was good first up and yep. then not so good next time. Um, I would say he will be there looking to really push his case for a start in the cup. I think he's just on the cusp. Uh, I had the rankings there before. Where is he? He is at... 19th at the moment, so needs to make up a bit of ground to work his way in the field. But a win on Sunday would potentially get him right on the edge. Yeah, no, good field. And of course, Buck, we spoke about Buck last week. Matty, thank you. I'm going to have to allocate more time because I just worked out one thing. You and I don't mind a chat, but I think um, hopefully we give people a bit of insight. We haven't touched on any of the New Zealand horses in Australia. We will do that as well because I want to try and bring some different parts to it as well. Um, you might even get a couple of interviews from time to time. Don't mind. And as I said, there's a tease that we could go live um, uh, from there. I know Emily at HRNZ is keen for us to try and do that. So, uh, yeah, I think that a uh, bit of brecky TV for people as well going forward. But, uh, mate, thank you. Thanks for joining me. I will get you back on next week, so I'll make sure you, you got your homework done follow you on twitter uh, basically it's uh, matt markham um that's that is at matt, at matt markham 07 i think it is yep. is the handle yeah yep um and go from there to, to keep up with everything you do uh you're not shy you're not shy of saying the odd controversial thing too either so if you want to know the truth uh you follow him you'll get you'll get the true true answer from time to time yeah, definitely on a Friday night if I'm sitting at home on the couch for a couple of years, I'm not afraid to say something that, uh, yeah, but yeah, I've got me in trouble, trouble a couple of times, but generally most people uh, just ignore me, so that's good. you got to write it out, you got to write it out, count to 10 and then hit delete, remember? That's, that's they're the rules. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I forget that, I get the delete and the post button mixed up, so uh, that's all right. We're not afraid to have a go. Matty, thank you. This has been Over the Ditch. Thank you very much. Um, a lot of fun. We've covered a lot of territory um, and a lot of horses and uh, look forward to highlighting what's going to be a great week of harness racing again coming up, um, you know, go through the results and then probably looking forward to because the racing just hots up for the whole time. So thank you very much, mate, and uh, look forward to catching up with you next week. No, sounds good. Thanks for having us, Paul. And, uh, yeah, look forward to next week.